All right, here we go. Chapter 8 in the Four Kings of Boxing podcast. The fight, the war. Marvelous Marvin Hagler versus Thomas the Hitman Hearns. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And joining me tonight as he does each and every podcast that we do this, ladies and gentlemen, the punchy pugilist, war himself, coming up on his horse. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pat Mullen. How do you do, sir? Good evening, everybody. And if I look tired, it's because I am. It's been quite a long day, but I'm excited. This is the high point of said long day that I've been waiting all day for. And we're going to finally delve into one of the greatest fights of all time and one of the greatest eras of all time. Ain't nothing stopping us. All right, Pat, let's set this up. We have some history to go through before we get to the fight itself. The beautiful most wonderful eight minutes of boxing you're ever going to see in your life. Just unadulterated, beautiful, gorgeous, boobalicious violence. But we're not there yet. When we last no, left our... context is king. Context is king. When we last left our heroes, they had both taken a piece of Roberto Duran and, uh, and came away from it. So where does that leave Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns, respectively, after they were done with Roberto Duran, who once knocked out a horse? <laughs> so initially the thought was at this point in time with a retired Ray Leonard that now okay we've seen Marvin fight Duran and win and it wasn't overly impressive to the lay person because he took you know a full 15 rounds to beat the former lightweight champion of the world mm-hmm. whereas Hearns with one of the most vicious KOs of all time in two rounds and one of the most one-sided beatings of all time against Duran wowed everybody because he became the first guy to ever do that to Duran and the first guy to do it in such an onslaught one-sidedly so to the point where people said okay Hagler couldn't do it to Duran but Hearns could I wonder what Hearns if if Hearns could do that to Hagler and this is a fight we've been dancing around and chasing since 1982 so now the table's really set for this as it's going to happen but as always, there's the potential of something interrupting, uh, coitus interruptus, if you will. And that happens to be our old pal Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard had gone into retirement, but then Roberto Duran got in his ear and says, you know, Thomas Hearns is looking for a fight. I've been in the ring with him. I think you can beat him. So maybe, maybe you come back and you fight Thomas Hearns. Well, Hagler, he's the... Okay. It was, after, it was after Leonard Hagler when, you know, they, Leonard was doing commentary at ringside and, you know, Leonard asked Duran, how do you feel? He goes, eh, he's not so good. You could beat him. Okay. Um, so Leonard formally announced his comeback in December of 1983 with a fight scheduled against Philadelphia-based junior middleweight Kevin Howard. While initially scheduled for February of 1984 in Madison Square Garden, the bout was postponed when Leonard had surgery to correct a, his loose retina that had been knocked silly in a previous fight by Roberto Duran. The bout would be rescheduled in Worcester, Massachusetts, in Hagler's backyard, but the Massachusetts State Athletic, Athletic Commission insisted Leonard pass a battery of eye tests, and the bout was rescheduled for May 11th, 1984. So let's talk a little bit about Sugar Ray Leonard versus Kevin Howard and its relevance to uh, Hagler versus Hearns. Yeah, well, when we last left Sugar Ray, he was, you know, permanently to retire with this detached retina that, you know, he could be blinded. And what Leonard did was go through a lot of experimental surgeries, exploratory Mm -hmm. surgeries, did cryotherapy, which was very new at the time. 
and eventually his, his eyesight had been restored to the point where they thought it was okay for him to eventually try a comeback. And of course the big idea dancing in everyone's head is him having this fight with Marvin Hagler, him having a fight with Thomas Hearns. And initially what he planned on doing was fighting the two welterweight champions who had taken each half of the belt that he had retired with the co the Lone Star Cobra, Donald Curry and Milton, the Iceman McCrory, who was a stable mate of Hearns out of Detroit. And uh, he, but you know, He's not a dummy. He knows he needs to take a tune-up fight to try to see what he's still got left and find his rhythm, and he hasn't been able to see and fight in so long. So he need, they find an opponent for him named Kevin Howard uh, out of Philadelphia. You know, not a not a tomato can, but not not a, not an especially talented guy in the eyes of many. Um, so, again, he initially plans for it in Madison Square Garden to make it a big, you know, to-do. That gets postponed because the retina that he has had you know, corrected is now loose. According to some reading, I don't know how you get a loose retina, but it's there. Okay. He has corrective surgery. They reschedule it to the Worcester, to Worcester, Massachusetts. They make him go through this entire battery of tests. Worcester not picked uncoincidentally because it is Marvin Hagler's backyard who Hagler, you know, based out of Brockton, New England's favorite son at this point, Ray's going to fight there. Passes all the tests and goes on and fights Kevin Howard uh, in a fight where, for the first time ever, Leonard's going to get knocked on his rear end as a professional. Yeah, awfully quickly, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, and in a fight where Ray is winning but not winning, you know, so one-sidedly like people thought he should. He takes a right hand in the fourth round, and you just see him sprawl backwards onto mm -hmm. the seat of his pants. And he gets up looking very embarrassed, and I'm sure he was very embarrassed. The call in but, the ring, if I remember correctly, was that he was off balance when he got hit. Like it wasn't so much a knockout, a knockdown blow, as so much as his feet were not where they should have been, and he got knocked off balance and just kind of went ass over tea kettle. Yeah, well, and, you know, and part of it was balance, but at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, right hand landed on him, and knocked sure. him on his pants. I'm so. not taking anything away from the punch. I'm saying like his feet planted in the right place. Maybe he doesn't go down like that. Cause it does. Cause it did look like his legs just kind of came out from under him. Yeah. And at that point, Ray, Ray got, Ray got a little embarrassed and decided mm -hmm. to turn up the aggression because, okay, yeah. now, now this is supposed to be my moment and you're trying to ruin it. Mm -hmm. You know, again, goes back to the old Rocky mantra of he doesn't know it's a show. He thinks it's a fight right. uh, in the case of Kevin Howard. And so Ray stops him in the ninth round somewhat controversially because he never knocks Howard down, even though Ray had been knocked down. And Howard doesn't look completely out of the fight, but they stop it. And Howard alleges that, you know, Fix was in, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And the thought is now that Ray's going to go on to take one of these big money fights against either one of the welterweight champions or Hagler or Hearns. And instead of the press conference, Ray utters the famous line, it just wasn't there tonight. Mm -hmm. Meaning, the, you know, the competitive spark he had, everything that mulled him on to greatness, much like not being on balance when he would normally be on balance. It wasn't there for him. The motivation wasn't there. And he decides to retire again for depending on how you count it, the second or third time at this mm -hmm. point. And what that's going to do is, okay, raise off the table again. Who mm -hmm. is there for Marvin and Tommy to fight each other? Gotcha. All right. So uh, had all gone as planned, Leonard would have likely gone on to fight Hagler or Hearns. However, the knockdown at the hands of Howard that we just discussed, the first of Leonard's career, along with a less than spectacular performance, prompted Leonard to rethink his comeback and declare his retirement immediately at a post-fight press conference, as you just said. Uh, Leonard's sudden second or third, depending on how you weigh at retirement, theoretically cleared the stage for Hagler and Hearns to meet each other. But before that, 
Uh, Hagler will go on to, after the Roberto Duran fight, to fight Juan Roldan at the Riviera in Win Winchester, Nevada on March 30th, 1984, uh, where he puts the WBA, WBC, and IBF and ring middleweight titles on the line. This goes 10 rounds and ends in a TKO, but I'll tell you, uh, Marvin Hagler got the business from Rodan in this one. Rodan was there for it. He was a big, just big old, uh, big man just slapping meat with Marvin Hagler, and he gave him all he could stand. Marvin Hagler came away with the with the win eventually, but dude, that guy can hit. Yeah, Juan, Juan Roldan was a bomber and mm -hmm. threw punches from odd angles, very awkward style, uh, very physically strong guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about Leonard suffering his first career knockdown. In this fight, we're going to see Hagler suffer what's officially the only official knockdown of his career. And most who saw it would argue that it was more of a pull pushdown in that mm -hmm. first round. And Hagler was incensed that it was called a knockdown by Tony Perez. Oh, Hagler looked like he was about to kill the referee. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what's notable in this fight is Ray makes the call at ringside doing commentary that, Marvin finally might be slowing down mm -hmm. because of the trouble he's having with Roldan. And, you know, I talked about this, you know, back when he fought Scipion and a little bit when he talked, when he fought Duran, you know, he had torn those ligaments in his knee that prevented him from moving laterally side to side. And you see Marvin a lot more off balance in these fights a lot of times than you mm -hmm. did beforehand. You see him throwing a lot more sweeping left hands than straight left hands because he's not cutting that angle the same way. And a lot of people assume that, you know, th there's a point in Marvin's career where he does become more of a banger than, a, than an aggressive boxer puncher. Mm -hmm. And this is where we see that. And a lot of people thought that that was happening because, oh, well, he's getting older. His hands are slower. I've always been of the theory that he had to do this because he just didn't have the ability to cut and move the way he did and set traps and cut angles. And it's more prevalent, I think, you see in this fight going forward where – a guy who, in Roldan, is a very tough guy, a very strong guy, a, a great puncher, but a guy who is very one-dimensional in what he does, giving so much trouble to someone who is on the pound-for-pound -pound level, it's it's not usual. Mm -hmm. And that's why Ray is of the opinion during this fight. I think Marvin's slowing down a little bit, and I don't think he's wrong by that assessment. And it's almost, you know, more impressive that Hagler had to adjust and fight the way he did and still knock the guy out, knowing that the way he fought most effectively isn't on the table for him anymore. He has to stand more toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. He has to do these things and get aggressive and go forward or backward more well, in order to deal with him. Considering what we're going to see when we get to it finally, the the, the fight, the war, Hagler-Hearns, I think it goes the way it goes because the fight with Rodan went the way that it did. Forcing Marvin Hagler out of his psychological comfort zone and making him more a more aggressive, more in the phone booth fighter, he brings that with him into the fight with Hearns. And maybe he doesn't has if he doesn't have this fight with Rodan, to your point. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair assessment. And again, you know, he around this time you saw a lot of sports sports illustrators are still giving boxing a lot of press. Mm -hmm. particularly to, to your more well-known champions, Hagler being among them, Hearns being among them. And Pat Putnam, who is Sports Illustrated's regular boxing writer at this time, around this time, started calling Hagler Mr. Tough Guy <laughs> because that's the style of fighting that he was doing. He was just mm -hmm. out-toughing guys in a lot of respects. And this is really a prime example of that, where well, we he didn't put on a boxing clinic. Right. 
No, well, I, but also I think Marvin Hagler is fighting with a huge chip on his shoulder. You know, we, we talked about that with, you know, with regards to Sugar Ray Leonard, he always kind of in the shadow of Sugar Ray. Um, this was, I can't remember which boxer we talked about this with during the heavyweight series that we did, but it was a very similar thing where there was, um, you know, you had, oh, it was um, not Joe Frazier. Larry, but, Larry uh, Holmes. Yeah, Larry Larry Holmes, where it's like you had Muhammad Ali out there who gets all this press and he's so pretty and all of this other stuff, you know, and then there's George. And I think I might be thinking about uh, George Foreman now. You know, it's just like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, here I am just doing the doing the good work, you know, knocking guys out, being vicious, proving that I'm a warrior. But everyone, you know, fawns over Muhammad Ali because he's pretty and he and he plays to the camera and he's got charisma. And it's like, yes, but can he knock bitches out? You know, and and there's and so all these years later, we have Marvin Hagler in a very similar position. Just like I'm really sick of the existence of Sugar Ray, and I'm sick of how the world works and how it makes me feel, and I'm gonna take it out on the guy in front of me. Yeah, and Roldan again, you see the damage that gets done to his eye in this. Mm -hmm. Roldan's eye is completely swollen shut, and right. they try to let him fight on. He just can't do it, and eventually he so much about that in the commentary. Like, like I've never seen an eye shut that quickly. Like he got him good. Yeah, he he basically broke his orbital socket with a with a punch, and uh, you know, Roldan to his credit tries the fight. It takes an ungodly mm -hmm. amount of toughness to try to fight through that, especially sure. one when you're blind, and two when that orbital bone is fractured and you're getting hit on it repeatedly. Right, and then eventually you just see him after he gets knocked down for that final time, just slumping in the corner, just saying, "Nope, I'm done. I don't want to get up and do anymore." <laughs> no moths, as they say. All right. Um. So after his battle of attrition with Duran, um. Oh, sorry. Moving on. Hagler. Da, 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 da. Both Hagler and Hearns took uh, keep busy fights in the fall of '84. In September, Hitman would make short work of Fred Hutchings with a third-round KO in Saginaw, Michigan, in defense of his super welterweight title. Not to be outdone, Hagler would make his lone appearance at Madison Square Garden in a rematch with old foe Mustafa Hamshow. Hamshow angered Hagler with a series of intentional headbutts, but paid in, in the full three-round falling victim to a one-punch KO off a Hagler right hook. Two months later, in December, at the Waldorf Astoria, Hagler Hearns was made official and announced for April 15, 1985. As the pay-per-view was still in its fetal stages, closed-circuit broadcast sales were what functioned as their equivalent in this time period. As such, Hagler and Hearns were set for a press tour of 22 cities. Two planes were released for the tour, a Gulfstream G2 owned by the Palace with its own Pac-Man machine and a Falcon jet, which did not have a Pac-Man machine and was a bit slower. The plan called for Hagler to take the Gulfstream westbound and on approach back east, Hearns and his team would use it. Hagler decided he wasn't traveling on a different plane, and Hearns camped through a fit, causing Aram to return the Falcon and Lisey G2 for the Hearns team. Pat, what, what goes on here? What's, what's all, you know, it's funny. It's right now they're doing the, the lead into Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. And it's like, all right, Dillian White's going to be at this press conference. No, he's not. And <laughs> Dillian White's going to do his press. No, he isn't. And it's like Tyson Fury is selling this fight by himself. And Dillian White's like, I'll see you in the ring, bitch. Which is like, okay, but. But we want to sell tickets to this. You have to. You have to put some work in. It's like no. I just it's, want to fight. It's gamesmanship. One hundred percent gamesmanship. Yeah. Like you know. Okay, I take the G two this way, and I get to play Pac Man. That that's the cutting edge of technology. By the way, is having a Pac Man machine on on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Welcome to nineteen eighty five, everybody. <laughs> um, but you know, then it's just the power move of. 
no, you know what? You're not getting the jet. I'm keeping the jet. You you riding the shitty little jet with your team. And, you know, Hearns being Hearns and, you know, they can't be in the camp. No, we're not second-class citizens. We we get that jet. And then mm-hmm. it led to such a thing that Aram had to actually rent the second Gulfstream jet to house his team and, and fly him across, which I'm sure Aram didn't love from a cost standpoint based on what they're projecting. And now you're cutting into his profit margin based on Same using year. one – Years later, I'm sure back then he was wishing he had had Saudi money. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he, he was. Or at least Saudi oil. Yes. <laughs> yeah, really. But yeah, just, just 100% gamesmanship, power move, and, and causing you know outrage on one end and just trying to get the other guy's goat. It is worth noting here that you can sell a fight by doing simple little petty things, just kind of needling each other. You don't have to go full, I'm going to eat your baby and bang your wife. <laughs> I mean, we just, we, you, know, you know, we're coming, we're coming out of a weekend where the UFC had a, a very personal beef uh, mm. fight between Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal that was predicated on a lot of years of history. And, and, you mm-hmm. know, no, he was sleeping on my couch. Oh, well, you know, he owes my money to South Miami loan sharks and no, this guy's a deadbeat dad. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it was very Jerry Springer white trash TV. And that's yeah. probably why it did pretty decent on pay-per-view out when we get those numbers, because it's not some major situation. It's something stupid that everybody can understand. It's like two neighbors fighting over, right. you know, a, a, the, the new hot neighbor who moved across the street and they each like her. It's just stupid. Again, you said stupid little petty stuff, mm-hmm. but because everybody does stupid little petty stuff, right. it's really easy to understand, relate to, and get in, interested and involved in. I was thinking about, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Where Conor McGregor was like throwing a what was it like a hand a, a hand cane, truck yeah a hand truck through the fucking window of a bus <laughs> you know and then it was like and then they get to the fight they have their fight he proceeds to lose that fight as he has many of his fights late in his career douchebag and and then and then there's like hey good fight it's like <laughs> what is I mean everyone is in on the gag now everyone know you know knows but you like you go back to this and. You know, it. I do. We went from we're going to take the plane. You're not going to take the plane. Well, we want the plane. We'll screw you and your plane to throwing a hand truck through a bus. I mean, maybe some decorum. I'm just all I'm saying. There's levels. There, there's levels. <laughs> there is definitely levels. All right. You know, um, <laughs> we we won't go Bruce Curry Monroe Brooks with this. Which... <laughs> Oh, did I, tell, did I not tell you about Bruce Curry, Monroe Brooks? Please tell me about Bruce Curry, Monroe Brooks. Two ranked junior welterweight contenders, uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Curry and Monroe Brooks, who were roommates together uh, in Texas. And one eventually messed with the other's girlfriend. And as men do, they settled it in the ring with a 10-round war that uh, Bruce Curry eventually won out when. And they there shook hands go. afterward and everything was forgiven. That's how men behave. Men, Pat. We fight and we throw hand trucks and then we shake hands and we go home and bang our wives or our neighbors' wives. It's nothing matters anymore. There's no such thing as monogamy. Time is flat. All right, let's move on. <laughs> That's a different podcast, everybody. <laughs> it's a di- coming soon to the Rattle and Broadcasting Love Wins. The, the Love Lines. Market the Carol and Ted and Alice. <laughs> Moving on. Um, all right. Uh, uh, well, neither man have been particularly known for their robust public speaking abilities. <laughs> and the Tommy of- sounded punchy before he ever got hit. Yeah, not, neither one of them. And Marvin, Marvin had a weird combination of a Jersey Boston accent mm-hmm. 
and didn't like to do a lot of talking anyway. I didn't want to get this far ahead, but his promo at the top of the HBO broadcast is hilarious. Because he's, look, some people get it and they can get in front of the camera and really turn it on. And then they get in the ring and they can fight and they're just all the things. Then there's poor Marvin Hagler. Like, you was watching HBO boxing. Huzzah! It like turns around, you see the back of his jacket. And it's like, oh. I know they were trying to do something with him to make him a star, but he he is not camera ready. Not in that take. <laughs> not that take. Not in any take. Um, Marvin does his best acting in the ring. Um, or his best performance, rather, since they acting. Have you never anyway. seen Indio or Indio 2, Mark? Come on. I have not. All right. Um, so anyway, however, every time Hearn spoke, he had some kind of barb or verbal jab ready for the champion. who seemingly only got more motivated. Hagler's approach to a fight had always been to convince himself he hated his opponent. Hearn's quips like promising to knock Marvin's bald head off would play right into the champion's hands for his pre-fight strategy. Not to be outdone themselves, the World Boxing Council, whom both men held championship recognition of, flexed their sanctioning muscles. Hagler's fight with Hampshire had been scheduled for 15 rounds, and the WBC had been mandating 12-round fights based on the death of lightweight title challenger uh, Duke Kim uh, against Ray Mancini. When Hagler scheduled the fight for 15 rounds, the WBC attempted to strip him of their championship, only to be defeated in court. The This time, they again attempted to mandate a 12-round distance with Hearns' manager-trainer, Emmanuel Stewart, supporting it, feeling 12 rounds. Uh, was an advantage for Tommy, knowing he'd be ahead after 12 rounds against Leonard before falling to, in the 14th. In addition, the WBC ruled that Hearns would be stripped of his WBC title if the fight went was 15 rounds, but would be granted dispensation, the ability to choose whether to retain the middleweight or junior middleweight title should the fight be scheduled for 12 rounds. Of note is the number one rated contender in the junior middleweight division was John the Beast Mugabe of Uganda, a name we shall see later. The last hurdle would be the selection of judges. All right, Pat, tell me about the situation with the judges here. So so initially, Nevada, the State Athletic Commission, and the WBC, who are sanctioning the fight and getting a lot more involved than anybody else because both guys hold belts for them, they have a three-man panel. It's, it's uh, Rudy Ortega from L.A., Harry Gibbs from England, and Herb Santos from Nevada. Ortega had mostly been a referee to this point in time. And Hagler and the Petronelli brothers, his handlers, uh, objected because they thought Ortega had done a lot of uh, WBC title fights as a referee and thought, like, you know, he's very cushy with Jose Suleiman, the president of the WBC. And we don't like that. We don't like that the WBC is always trying to screw with us. So they filed a protest to get Ortega removed from the fight. So... You know, and again, I, the way I wrote this was it wouldn't be the last interest in, instance of the Petronellis outsmarting themselves. Mm-hmm. Ortega winds up being replaced with uh, by Dick Young from California, who will learn how his scorecard went at the end of the fight. But uh, suffice to say, it was not advantageous to Marvin Hagler. And the referee for this fight is Richard Steele. Mm-hmm. Uh, since neither man was promoted to a buy or represented by Don King and nor were they promotional free agents, there were no objections to Steele, who was, had had ties to Don King at this point in time. All right. Uh, before we get into the fight itself, you know, Pat provides me with very well-written, uh, wonderfully detailed notes. And, you know, Pat, I've always wondered, what do you use to help you write your notes and compose them so nicely? 
Well, my spelling and my context, sometimes they're not so great, but there's this service called Grammarly that I use that a guy named Mark Radlich turned me on to. And Grammarly is great. I can use it on pretty much any format I need. It adjusts my spelling, my grammar, any errors that I find or that I can't find, Grammarly finds for me and adjusts it and makes everything I type readable so that Mark and I can bring you the show without too much of nonsense getting in our way. That's right. So to download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. And now we come to it, ladies and gentlemen, the height of the Four Kings of Boxing podcast, Hagler versus Hearns, the fight, the war, a middleweight championship boxing match between the undisputed champion, marvelous Marvin Hagler versus Thomas Hearn for the WBC Super Welterweight Champion. Um, who had actually gone up a weight uh, up in weight for this bout. And it's considered, Pat, to be the greatest three rounds of boxing in history due to its constant action, drama, and violent back, back and forth exchanges. It took place on April 15th, 1985, from Caesars Palace in Nevada. Let's get into this fight. And it's there's a lot to talk about, but not a lot to talk about in, in, in a way because. It's only three rounds, but it's three rounds of constant, violent, just like you would be convinced that these two guys are not boxers, but are having a parking lot brawl that one guy, you know, like had hit on the other guy's wife or something in a time where people were monogamous and um, <laughs> and shit like that mattered. Uh, and now the other guy is going to take it out of his ass instead of just, you know, maybe wanting to sleep with his wife. Anyway, uh, I have stuff on my mind. <laughs> my point is there was some, it, it just, Oh, there's a point to this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting there. Uh, my point is that these guys fought like they, they were trying to kill each other and, you know, a flip of the coin, a miss of a punch, a hit of another punch, and this goes in a completely different direction. But for three rounds, these two guys punched each other nearly to death. And only because Marvin Hagler was able to inch out ahead just enough on Thomas Hearns and, you know, and knock him down and take his legs out from him does he end up winning in that third round. But boy, <clears throat> along the way, Thomas Hearns gave him everything he could. Every ounce of energy every ounce of power he could he gave it to him every single minute of all three rounds i mean i i don't even know what else to say this was i was watching this at work before we recorded tonight and people are like just doing their notes and they're chatting about work and they're you know and and they just hear me in the corner holy shit like i we watch a lot of boxing and i don't react like viscerally to much you know but like i i, I it's boxing people are going to get hit <laughs> but I watched this and I was like, I can't believe what I'm watching here. Everybody currently boxing right now across PBC, Matchroom, Top Rank, needs to watch this and be inspired. Aim for Hagler Hearns, boys and girls. That's the bar. Yeah, it, it, this fight is the first fight I used to rewatch all the time uh, when I really became a boxing fan because <laughs> there's nothing like it. It, mm -hmm. It's just, you know, eight, eight and a half or eight some odd minutes of just pure uninterrupted violence uh, between the two best fighters in boxing at the time in the minds of many. 
And you, you have so much on the line here, not, not just the championship of the world, which it's on the line, obviously, but for each of these guys, you know, this is their whale. This is their, their big catch that they're going to bring in because Leonard's gone now again. Who's there? It's each other. This is who I have <laughs> He's to gone get for a little while. We'll see him later. Yeah, but we don't know that at this point in time. And right. neither do Hagler and Hearns, which is the important part. Mm-hmm. So who's who's stopping them from the mountaintop? You're right. stopping me. You're stopping me. And they're going to figure out one way or another who's going up. And there's this motivation where you got there can be only Hearns, one. who in the biggest fight of his career against Leonard, came up mm-hmm. short. And he's determined not to go there again. You got Hagler, who never got that opportunity to have that fight with Leonard. And is still, despite everything he's accomplished, seen as, well, I don't know if he's as good as this guy. And still just clawing and fighting for that recognition and can't get it until he wins this fight. And so you've got those factors on the line. You know, Hagler's middleweight championship is on the line. Hearns has the chance to make some history here and win a championship in a third weight division, become one of the few guys in history at this point in time who's done that and can win it by beating the undisputed champion, which makes it even better. And they go out there and, you know, again, Goody Petronelli called the strategy for Marvin that they needed to immediately turn it into a street fight. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. Hagler immediately came out winging. And Hearns, you know what? Tommy Hearns ain't going to take a back step from anybody, regardless of how he, if he's hurt or if he's not hurt. Tommy's going to stand his ground and he's going to fight. And that's exactly what he did. Well, one thing, opening, I noticed, one thing I noticed about this is that Hagler did not let Tommy Hearns use his reach. If you look at like the Duran fight and we look at those early Tommy Hearns fights, so much of his strategy is being able to use that lanky, lithe body of his and evade punches and use his reach and counter and keep the other guy at bay. And he wins these fights because he just limits the other guy's ability to, to initiate an effective offense. And Hagler was like a German tank brigade. He was all up in Tommy Hearns' grill and Tommy Hearns couldn't get him off of him. And he took away his most effective weapon, which was that reach and his ability to uh, to circle and, you know, move, move away from uh, Marvin. He just he when Dan and I do the boxing commentaries on the weekends, one of the things that we note is how so many of these guys give too wide a berth to their opponents. Marvin Hagler doesn't do that here. He Tommy Hearns can't get away from him short of jumping out of the ring and running away. Yeah, Mar- Marvin was immediately up in his face as soon as mm-hmm. he could be winging power shots. This wasn't going to be, I'm going to jab my way in and use head movement. I'm going right in at him and sprints across the ring at him. To Which try is interesting to- because it's not like Tommy Hearns doesn't have power and Marvin Hearns didn't didn't give no mess. He was like, I no. don't care. I don't care how hard and, you hit me. I'm going to keep coming. And he gets hit hard to start mm-hmm. that fight. Hearns lands, you know, as good a right hand as you'll ever see him land. Bing, right on the button, and you see Marvin turn like sideways from mm-hmm. it. And he's 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 hit and he's hurt. Like he, you know, and he just catches himself eventually. And Tommy's just winging, boom, boom, whipping right hands, rip, whipping uppercuts, whipping the right hand from the side, cutting down with it. And Marvin just glues his hands to his cheeks and goes right back in at him and starts throwing body shots. And uh, it's just, you know, one of those things where Larry Merchant made the comment after that moment where he goes, that was the moment of the fight, and that's where I knew it was over. Because once I saw that Hagler could take Hearns' power, I knew that it was just a matter of time before Marvin was going to get him. Uh, Why do you, you know, here we are talking about it. We're talking about it because of its historical significance, but it's also part of the legacy of the Four Kings. People people who currently are boxing, you know, 
we've got a slew of big time boxing matches coming up. You know, Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, Tyson Fury, Dillian White, um, Errol Spence. Yes, and Errol Spence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we've got Tony Yoka uh, fighting in France in the heavyweight division against Martin Bacoli. Uh, we just have so many fights coming up. And you've got to imagine these guys have seen this fight. They've seen Cape on this fight. And yet people don't seem to take the lesson from it. Especially, you know, and you and I have talked about this in previous fights that we've called. You're losing on the cards and you just keep doing the same thing round after round. Instead of throwing a little bit of caution to the wind and taking a page from Marvin Hagler's book and getting in some guy's face. What's the worst that's going to happen? You lose a fight you've already lost on points. And that's that's the difference. It's the dare to be great mentality mm-hmm. that these guys lack in a lot of ways. And they're more content to lose a fight on the cards than they are by going out on their shield and really trying to win the fight, you know, at, at a certain level where they have to put themselves in harm's way and have to take the risk. Where yeah, yeah, you may get caught, you may get hurt, you may get knocked out, but the way you're going, you ain't gonna win this fight anyway. So what the hell's the difference? And it, it's almost like a a shameful version of pride, if that makes sense, where mm-hmm. you're able to, well, I didn't get knocked out. Well, you didn't get knocked out because you didn't try to win, you know, type, right. of, type of performance. And that's the complete opposite of what we see from not just Marvin Hagler, but Tommy Hearns in this fight as well, where oh yeah, Tommy, you know, he hits him with that great right hand that apparently broke his right hand, uh, according mm-hmm. to Emmanuel Stewart. You know, and, you know, even then, though, Tommy's still fighting, still winging it. And, you know, in the second round, after we get through this incredible first round of, of just, you know, a million punches being thrown from each guy and each guy getting nailed and hurt, we go to the second round and Tommy tries to box a little bit. He does try, mm-hmm. understand that that's the best route for him to win. And Marvin just still presses up on and combinations to the body. So Tommy, at that point, instead of just shelling up and not figuring out what to do, says the hell with it. I'm going to fight back with everything I got. And he'll come back and throw combinations off the ropes, you know, and, and, and do what he has to do to tie Marvin up and try to buy some space. And, you know, he'll grab Marvin behind the head. Marvin will hit him low. And, you know, just that back and forth kind of manipulation of the rules. And neither guy is, is going to break in, in their, at least mentally, they're not going to break. It's going to, you're going to have to physically in, you know, completely incapacitate them for them to quit. And one of the big things that happened is somewhere along the way, and I, I believe it was just from a good right hand, Marvin gets a nasty gash up on the top of like where the bridge of his nose meets his forehead. And it starts bleeding pretty good. Mm-hmm. And we're in the third round. And this is kind of the stuff that defines a great champion in a lot of ways where, you know, Richard Steele calls time and makes Marvin go see the ring doctor. And to check on the cut. And Marvin in the back of his mind is saying, okay, this is their route. They're gonna, they're gonna screw me this way. They've they've done it on the scorecards in the past, and they're, they're this is how they're gonna try to screw me. And I remember he was talking to Ron Borges of uh, the Boston Globe, and Borges said, you know, Marvin just said, They're not gonna decide. I'll decide if I can't continue. And so Marvin always said when he talked to the ring doctor, I ain't missing him, am I? <laughs> and he wasn't. Mm. And the ring doctor says, oh, so he's okay. You can see, let him go. And they, they call it back in. And as soon as they get back in there, what does Marvin do? Lunge at him with a long right hand, trying to get at Tommy and negate that reach and try to hit him. And he, he catches Tommy with one, one winging hook, like right up behind Tommy's ear. Mm-hmm. that kind of gets him to do that stutter step a little bit. 
and Tommy's ready, and he gets along the ropes and sets himself. But Marvin just launches himself from an orthodox stance like a heat-seeking missile with a right hand to Tommy's jaw. And you just see Tommy just collapse. And Marvin throws some punches after the fact that don't even need to be thrown because Tommy just like onto the mat. And uh, Jackie Callen always made the comment he looked like a beach umbrella getting blown over by the wind <laughs> the way he fell. And he beat the count. He A lot of people don't remember. Tommy beat the count. But absolutely was not in a position to continue he, that he, fight. He physically beat the count in terms of like he was able to stand. But you did you look in the eyes and see the no sale sign that I saw? He was yeah. done. Like no, that's no a vacancy. good that's a good stoppage. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He was you know no sale, no vacancy, just dead eyes. Like I'm not taking anything away from Thomas Hearns. I think had the ref been like, "Can you fight Tommy Hearns?" would have been like, and they were like, "Okay, yeah. Frenchie, go get him." You know, but he was done. Yeah. Marvin Tom, Hagler Tommy, knocked his brains out. Tommy and Marvin are both two of the guys that are the last of a breed of a group of guys <laughs> who would rather fight to the death than be told you're not fighting anymore. Yeah. Joe Frazier, and, you know, blind and still fighting and, you know, and then mad when you call the fight that he can't see. Yeah. Yeah. The, these guys, you know, the, if you left it up to them, one of them is not stopping till till they die. And that's how it's going to be. You know, you, you want the sport to evolve, but I do, I do in a way kind of miss the mentality among fighters of I'll go out on my shield. You know, I'll go out. I'll, I'm like, I'm not going to let this get taken from me. I will fight, you know, till I, till I'm forced to stop. And it's just not, look, there are some, we've, there are some great fights. I mean, you know, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, uh, was a fun fight to watch and those two guys really walloped each other good but to this level makes that look like my son trying to punch my daughter <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible and you don't see this kind of you don't see this kind of fight anymore thomas hearns and and uh marvin hacker and that's really no, I... the last the last question i wanted to ask you what is the legacy of this fight because it should have inspired a generation of guys to get it. And some did over the years. And there's certainly been some fights. We're going to call a few of them over the course of the next year when we're done with this series. Um, one, you know, one of Gavin's favorites, which was just like 12 rounds of perpetual motion. Um, that, you know, it's one of the, his favorite fights for that reason. But it's more of an outlier than it is the general rule now, which is kind of sad. So I question what is the true legacy of Hagler Hearns? It, it's, Two guys in the seminal moment of their careers at the time, mm -hmm. showing you when you want something so bad, this is what you have to do to get it. Mm -hmm. And this is how you have to do it. There's going to be a heavy risk involved, but with heavy risk comes heavy reward. And you got to show how much you want it. You got to put it out there how much you want this. And yet, mm -hmm. two guys who couldn't have wanted it any more than these two did. And the way they fought went out there and illustrates it. And it's just one guy was better equipped and better prepared to take it than the other one was. But neither one of them lost this fight due to any lack of will, any lack of heart, any lack of courage, even, even skill. It was no lack of skill. It's just one guy could take it better than the other guy and keep mm -hmm. going. And that's, you know, Mr. Tough Guy, Marvin Hagler. And, People always point to the, the chin of Thomas Hearns as a weak point on him. But at the same time, you want to call Tommy chinny. You know, 
who knocked Tommy out? How did they knock him out? Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't a guy who's getting hit by light punchers and, and falling over or had the risk of any time he gets hit going down. Uh, there's absolutely zero shame in ever being knocked out by Marvin Hagler, especially in a fight where you stood toe-to-toe with him, dishing out your best shots while taking his. It's just an insane fight that, you know, again, at the time, there there was no Leonard. These guys were it for each other. This was the zenith of where they were going to go. And in that, in that moment, you have to decide how much is this worth to me. And they both decided it was worth everything. Well, it, it's interesting because – Thomas, you, you talk about him being chinny. The first fight he ever loses is to Sugar Ray, and it's in the 14th out of 15 rounds by TKO. And then the next time is Marvin Hagler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't, this is, this is his, literally his second loss, for God's yeah. sake. That's a little unfair. And then, he, you know, yeah. he'll go on to uh, lose to Iran Barkley, but that's after several wins many of which were by ko or tko and barkley's also a murderous puncher right and and then we're back to sugar ray who doesn't knock him out he wins by you know he doesn't by, win the draw <laughs> as i say yeah he, he gets a, they get a draw a split draw and we'll talk about that fight in detail later on right so my so my point is like for you know like i heard you say that i'm like wait a minute and then i'm looking i'm like how many times did he actually get knocked out i mean he has a total of a grand total of five losses on his record and it retired split he, he has, decision. He the yeah. He has the knockout to, to, uh, to Hearns or to Hagler, the knockout to Leonard, the knockout to Iran Barkley, a decision to Iran Barkley. And he broke his ankle against Uriah Grant after the first round. Right. So for people calling Thomas Hearns chinny, you can call him a lot of things, but that's not accurate at all. That, yeah. That's like not even close. That's that's really prejudice. Um, yeah. All right. So Pat, and, and they, they, so they, you know, they, they. Let's talk about the end of this fight, the conclusion, yeah. right, and and okay. what happens here. So, you know, Hagler wins. It's it's a third round knockout. It's and it's it's just the the ultimate moment for him in his career where he finally gets recognized by a lot of people as. Mm-hmm. being what a special fighter he was. And, you know, had he just come out and won this fight, you know, in any other kind of manner, maybe he doesn't get the same level of respect that he he did from this fight. But because they came out and fought so furious and, and intense and the violence level was so high, I think it definitely magnified it more in the minds of people and made it a, a much more special occasion for them seeing them fight like this and seeing one guy come out on top the way he did. He finally gets a lot of that recognition that he had deserved in the first place. And, mm-hmm. you know, the unfortunate nature of these fights as great as they are, is one guy's going to win. And on the other side, one guy's going to lose. And Tommy came out on the losing end of this one, like he did to Ray Leonard. And, you know, this fight and that first Leonard fight are remembered as two of the greatest fights in history, not just the decade, not just of each year, but in history. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Tommy, he came out on the losing end of both. And while history is going to remember him as a great warrior, it's not as good as winning. And right. he didn't win either of those fights. And it, and it's it, he didn't win the big you, one. You hate to call it a shame because, it mm-hmm. you know, guy, guy still beat Roberto Duran, still won world championships all over the place. Right. But, uh, you know, and, and who did he lose to? He lost to the two best fighters of his generation, right? 
Mm-hmm. There's no shame in that. And it's unfortunate that that's more what Tommy gets remembered for, for those two fights where neither one of them, he came out with his hand raised. Yeah. And it's a shame. And, you know, they talked to each guy about the fight and, you know, they said, Hey, Tommy, what would have happened if the fight would have gone on and they let you go? And he said, well, I think one of us would have been carried out. And well, Tommy, you were carried out by a member of your entourage. <laughs> and, you know, after, afterward, they, they, you know, realized what a special moment this was. And Hearn's, in a classy gesture, went to Hagler's locker room to congratulate him and say, you know, good fight champ. And said, I just got to know Marvin, what, what were you taking that kept you up? Why didn't you go down? And Hag- and Hearn said that Hagler said to him, you know, I, I didn't want to fall. I wasn't <laughs> going to fall. I was determined to keep never my un- title. Never underestimate the power of sheer will. All right, Pat, that wraps up our discussion of Hagler versus Hearns. Next up on the docket, well, first off, we will be doing, we're continuing. We're almost at the end here of our uh, 20 year look at the history of WrestleMania. March 23rd will be WrestleMania 18 and 19. Allegedly, we're going to have Neil from uh, Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do. He was at one of these. I don't remember if it was 18 or 19 or, or whatever, but he asked me if he could come on. Uh, so we lost a Bailey, but we gained a Neil. Uh, so that'll be all fun. Right, Neil. Huh? I said, all right, Neil. Yeah, Neil's a cool guy. Uh, if you ever check out his podcast with uh, his buddy Chris, um, Movies That uh, Don't Suck and Some That Do, they have a fun little show. It's not as good as Damn You Hollywood, but really, what movie review podcast is? Anywho. Um, depends on who's on it. It depends on who's... <laughs> uh, March 31st, we'll continue our look at the Four Kings of Boxing with Hagler versus Leonard. And then April 6th is the grand finale, WrestleMania 20. We wrap things up for good, and we're done with that series, and uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do next. But right after that... Pat and I are going to look at the best, uh, most important, most fun, most rapey moments from Oz. We're going to spend an hour, and I'm just going to, I'm actually going to just be like, all right, Pat, I need two months worth of chats summed up in an hour. Go. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a tall task, but somehow I think we have better odds than Tobias Beecher's parole. So I was hanging out with somebody, and... um, they were talking about like you know men who dress as women and all of that and i was like oh have you ever seen oz and she was like no i've never had hbo i don't know what that is is that a band or something and i'm like oh you need to see something and i showed her the clip of uh beecher in the uh, who, after he gets the makeover oh is, uh the talent show one or yeah just, well yeah well um uh, schillinger gives him the lipstick and he's like, put oh, it on, okay. and he won't do it. And then the next thing is, he gets a makeover, and you know, like, oh my god, you look so pretty. And they all, and all the Nazis laugh at him. Yeah, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's gonna get his face shit on. But that's a that's a whole other podcast. So yeah, we're gonna talk Oz um, because Pat was a little obsession there for a while, and this will be the last thing I say here. Uh, April twenty fifth. We will be reviewing How I Met Your Father, season one, which has been greenlit already for a second season. Already um, season two. Yep. Um, just like 10 words or less. You liking it? Hating it? Wish we didn't do this? Uh, I love anything involving one Miss Hillary Ann Duff. The future ex Mrs. Uh, Pat Mullen. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> All right, folks. That's it. Um, go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube or any of your favorite podcatchers. We are everywhere. 
I have all my socials now listed in the description of this podcast or on TikTok. Um, I got my Snapchat in there. People want to contact me there. Um, I am uh, my Facebook messenger. So all kinds of ways you can interact with the show, all kinds of ways you can get it onto your cell phone or watch it on the web. Like I said, you can watch the video on YouTube. You can listen to it on any podcatcher. Please, wherever it is, if you're liking our show, please like and subscribe. And if you don't want to get all the W2M stuff, but you want Rattle and Broadcasting, our feed is available just by itself anywhere. Just look for Rattle and Broadcasting. And if you've seen the latest show like this one, you know that that's the right one because there's been a few. Um, check out our reviews of The Batman, uh, A Legion. We did a reaction to uh, Sabaton, uh, Fear of the Sea or Race to the Sea or whatever it was called, Race to the Sea. Uh, we also, Sean and I did the review of the Three Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, 74, 2003. Jessica Beale's Frigid Boobs. That's all I have to say about 2003. <laughs> and then the new one, 2022. So check those out in the archives. I got a whole bunch of canned uh, stuff coming up this week as I go on vacation. A lot of really old, fun shows. I think you're going to like them. So check them out as they drop each and every day for the following week on the Rattling and Broadcasting Network. For Pat, the punchy pugilist, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.